Merry Christmas, Christian Lehman Church. Today we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our scripture reading today is from Luke chapter 1, verses 8 to 17, the birth of John the Baptist. Now while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. The whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you should have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be the great will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Thank you, Wong family, for that scripture reading. And good morning, CLC. For those that don't recognize me with my mustache, my name is Jordan. I'm a member here at CLC and have the honor of serving on the Pastoral Search Committee. Uh, this morning, I have the privilege of introducing today's speaker, Pastor Eric, who I believe a good number of you are familiar with already since he's spoken at CLC on numerous occasions. But today is a little bit special because I get to introduce Pastor Eric as a candidate for lead pastor. Uh, now, I will actually let Eric <clears throat> introduce himself properly, but as a quick background, Eric served as pastor at Menlo Church in Menlo Park for many years and has served as executive director on a number of nonprofits as well, including years at City Team SF, six, seven, eight, something like that, which is actually where I met Eric and was mentored by him uh, while I was working there. And he was, um, he was all right. Just kidding. He was fantastic. Uh, it was an incredible experience to watch kind of his method of ministry, uh, spirit-led leadership, and just an ability to connect with anyone who walked through those doors. And a lot of different people walked through the doors at City Team. Uh, so really excited to have him with us today. He asked me to go easy on him. Uh, in my intro, so I'll end it there. Um, but Eric, excited for your message, and I'll pass it over to you. Yeah, well, thank you, uh, Jordan, and um, um, good morning, CLC family. It's 
uh, it's good to be with you. And it's been a, it's been an honor to enter into this process. Um, <clears throat> yeah. When, uh, when Jordan was introducing, uh, he said he was going to introduce me, uh, it, <laughs> uh, I thought maybe, maybe we should just close in prayer after that, but, uh, uh, let me, but uh, Jordan is uh, uh, somebody that I, I have truly grown to love over the years um, of getting to know him as a young man and, and watching him now have facial hair. That is, it's really stunning. Um, but uh, let me, a little, little bit about myself. Uh, I grew up uh, here in the Bay Area, um, uh, grew up in Sunnyvale, um, still live in the area and um, uh, went to, uh, went to school school in Chicago, in grad school um, in, um, in Minneapolis, and then um, uh, got, uh, got married in the um, mid-90s uh, mid to my wife. Uh, I got introduced, I was a youth pastor, I got introduced by one of my students who wanted me to meet their aunt, and I said, I don't want to meet anybody's aunt. And then I realized that uh, being over at their house one day that their aunt was two years younger than me, not 15 years older. Um, and, um, and I said to them, how come you don't introduce me to your aunt? And so that's how uh, my wife and I, uh, uh, my wife and I uh, originally met. Um, she also grew up in the uh, area. So our family is all here uh, in, uh, in the Bay Area. So I'm a long-term um, you know, uh, kid, Bay Area, uh, Bay Area kid. Um, and uh, yes, I, for the first uh, 20, 25 years, I was a, I was a pastor, mainly uh, a youth pastor and, and just loved it, enjoyed it. Uh, I, I, I still do. And then um, uh, as, as Jordan said, I, um, uh, God transitioned me for the last 10 years where um, I've worked both for a city team working um, in downtown San Francisco. And also uh, the last two years, I was invited to uh, join the, uh, uh, be the executive director at the Bay Area Anti-Trafficking Coalition, fighting human trafficking and uh, mainly in the Bay Area and uh, to do, to help them do a, a transition. So I committed to two years to do that. And it was really, it, it was really successful. I love where we're at now. And then this year I've transitioned from the executive director uh, position to the board. So now I'm a, I'm a board member and, uh, and that's been really fun. My, um, my wife and I have two children, uh, both girls. And so I have a house full of girls and, uh, and I have a dog, a terrible dog who's a boy, but, um, uh, doesn't back me any, anyway. So I'm very, I'm agnostic about our dog. Um, but, um, uh, uh my daughter, uh, oldest daughter, um, uh, is 21. Uh, she's in school, uh, in Nashville and she studies musical theater, and uh, she's amazing. Uh, her name is Audrey. And then my, uh, her sister who is 16 months younger because we're not smart. Um, if you have children that are that close together, you know exactly what I mean. Let's have twins. No, let's spread them apart. Let's spread them out a little bit. Uh, but uh, Kate, as we call her, Catherine is um, a sophomore in college, but she is taking a gap year uh, at distance learning did not serve her well and so she did not enjoy it and so she's actually rethinking of going back to school she's uh and what school she would go uh would go to um other just really quick things about uh about me um i um huge um barrier sports fan um i love uh, i uh i i still enjoy uh, sports and uh being active my wife and i love to ski 
when we get opportunities. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I played basketball through high school and college and uh, even coached when my daughters were in high school. I coached at the uh, at their uh, high school. And um, so I'm a huge uh, Giants fan. My family is a very big narrative for us. Um, getting together and watching Giants flan, uh, Giants games, splitting season tickets. Um, I'm a, a 49er fan and a huge Warriors fan. And in fact, um, um, I don't know if you've been watching. I don't know if you're as, uh, dis, you know, if you're discouraged <laughs> as, as I am at this Warriors season. The last two games have not looked good. And it reminds me, in fact, I brought a video, uh, I, a video of this. It reminds me of, of, of a time in 2012 um, where, uh, where the Warriors were at this uh, a different place. And, um, and they uh, had not had winning seasons. In fact, if you remember, uh, if you remember uh, the Warriors were, uh, were not a very good team. And it's very discouraging to hear that there are actually Los Angeles Laker fans uh, in the CLC family. Um, I would think that there would be some sort of addendum, uh, some sort of writer within the, within the membership, uh, you know, uh, Within, within the CLC membership, but uh, I've loved the Warriors ever since I was a, as a kid. My, I remember my father taking me 1972-73 uh, to see the Warriors play the Lakers. Um, you know, I'm Wilt Chamberlain, Nate Thurman, Rick Barry, Jerry West, um, and I remember as a seven-year-old how much I hated that that purple color. Um, but um, but there was a there was this moment in 2012. Um, that uh, uh, that for me was this looking back on looking back on this moment I think was uh, a, a real trans uh, was probably one of the bigger transition moments and I was watching it live on TV so if we could bring that up We've saved the best for last. Let's bring up the owner of the Golden State Warriors, Mr. Joe Lakeup. So this is the owner of the Warriors, and Joe Lakeup had just owned the Warriors for a little while. They had just retired Chris Mullins' jersey at halftime, and then he goes to speak and they will not let him speak. They're booing him. Tonight, now that we got that over with, tonight is about Two things, embracing history and respect. Okay, I think we get, you get the picture. So he gets up and the reason why they're booing him is that uh, the Warriors a year or two before had drafted Steph Curry. They had another wonderful player on their team, Monte Ellis. Right before this, 
like within the week before this, they had traded Monte Ellis, one of their favorite players, uh, one of the crowd's favorite players. He had been on that team with Baron Davis, if you're a Warriors fan, that barely made the playoffs and then upset the number one team, the Dallas Mavericks. So he was really beloved. But they drafted Stephen Curry. And that week, the week before, they had traded Monte Ellis for Andrew Bogut, who was hurt and would not play. And so people were saying the Warriors, they barely ever made the playoffs. Um, you know, after the championship in 74, you know, they, they barely would make the playoffs. And then if they did, they would lose in the first round. And so you could see where for the fans, it was just never good news. So now you have new ownership coming in and, and they, tr they trade away one of the best players on the team. And everybody is incensed. Now, what for you, for you basketball fans, and if you're not a basketball fan, I'm sorry. <laughs> but for you fans, you can imagine now looking back, they had a plan in place. They were betting on Steph, and they knew that Monte Ellis was not going to be their future. They were putting this plan in place. And within a year or two, they would win not only the NBA championship, but go on to right, make the finals five straight years, which is just incredible. But at the time, nobody could see, nobody could see what the new ownership was doing. And in fact, if you went through and you played the video, it got so bad that Chris Mullen actually had to come out, back out um, and actually speak for Joe Lacob, the owner. And I always say that because, um, I, I, I bring this up because there's times in our life where um, it just seems like bad news and it doesn't seem like things are working and yet there's a plan in place and as, as simply as this is because this is on full display in the Bay Area, the new owners had a plan and, um, and the plan worked great but in the beginning no one could see all the things that they were doing. And a lot of times it takes a while for things to come together. And there's a lot of small, uh, small moves. But what they ended up doing, they, made, they were making the right moves, even though they weren't popular and people weren't able to connect the dots. And so this morning, as we uh, continue our series on worth the wait, I'm going to be talking about John the Baptist and God's joyful plan with John. Now, when I first started praying over this talk about John the Baptist and how he fits into the Christmas story, you're thinking of John, the man out in the wilderness, the prophet. And as I prayed, I said, God, what is it? And he overwhelmed me with this thought that John brought joy. And I thought, joy? Are you really? He goes, yeah. And then the Holy Spirit said, no, go through and read scripture again. And I read it and you started to realize how much joy John brought to the situation. You know, to be honest with you, I'd never really seen that. And at first I was thinking with John the Baptist, you, the, I, I sort of think of more judgment, not joy, but it's not judgment. It's, it really is the joy of the father leading before Jesus comes onto the scene. John is the, you know, he's almost like the ice breaking ship, if you would, over a landscape 
that would considered it was considered impassable. Right before John shows up, um, there are four hundred years of silence. It was a span of it was a span that where no new prophets were raised, where God revealed nothing new to His people. I mean, imagine if you could, you know, like like it's been since nineteen sixty since God's done anything new. And you go, no, 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 not 1916, 1660, since God did anything new. It'd be tempting to say, maybe this isn't working anymore, right? But what Luke 1, if we go to scripture, what Luke 1, 7, uh, 17 says was this about John. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So here's John coming to bring good news, to set the stage. And John is different. He's bringing God's uh, joy. And it was the sense that he would fill people with, wait a minute, God is working the sense of anticipation, the sense of what is about to happen. What is God up to? That sense that what is God going to do something next that we haven't seen? And he really shifts, you know, the, the view and the thinking about what God is doing from this sort of predictable God who's maybe so silent that does he really work? Is it just our um, invention of him? to a God that is full of personality, that is engaging and interacting uh, with every aspect of life. So this is, the, this is the first thing that happens. John is the first domino that falls in prophecy before, um, as, as Jesus comes back on the scene, as God is starting to fulfill his promise. The first thing he does, the father sends John. And, and, and so John brings joy to every place he goes into, everywhere, even before he's born, he's bringing joy. And so the first thing we see, the first point is this, John brings joy to his family. And this is really easy to overlook, even though it's a big part of the story that, um, that Pastor Andrew's family just read. Um, his, fa- his, his, his mother and father not being able to have children and getting the news that they would have a child. First and foremost, sit with that. If you, um, most of us probably um, have experienced this, um, either in your own lives of not having, uh, being able to have children um, for a number of different reasons, or we probably know somebody within uh, who is a very close friend or somebody in our family and um, um, who have not been able to have children. In this, um, uh, if you if if you have experienced that or have had that conversation, we realize what a hardship this is, how it um, how difficult it is for people um, to go through that. Even my wife and I, uh, before we had Audrey, our first child, we in in one year had uh, three miscarriages, and it was just incredibly difficult, not knowing if we <clears throat> could have children, and and walking through that. It's um, it's deep within us. And so sometimes it's easy to s- step over um, and kind of blow past, if you would, the fact that John was an answer 
to prayer, a lifetime prayer, prayers over decades and decades that this family longed for. Um, and in the story we, uh, that we just heard that um, we see that um, John's father was a priest. He's serving in his priestly duties. And then the, an angel from the Lord, Gabriel, shows up and says, you're going to have a, a child in your old age. And um, he's harsh with him, right? He's, um, what ends up happening, he goes, how is this going to happen? We are old. And um, Gabriel then says to him, oh, wait, 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 you don't, I come from God's presence. You're not questioning me. Okay, so you're not going to be, you're going to be mute until he's born. And I think the, uh, there, there's a lot here. I don't want to go into all the details, but this is a story. It's an Abraham story. So John's parents, you know, Zechariah, he should have known Abraham's story. He knew Abraham's story. And so when he said, you're going to have a child in your old age, it's like, that's what happened to Abraham and Sarah. They had a child in their own age, a child of promise. Right? Um, it, we were in the, we're living the same story. And so he should have known, he should have known that. But then all the priests and everybody else in the temple, they found out too. They knew what was, uh, what happened with Elizabeth in, in Zechariah. And it was dramatic for them, but in the same way, because John was going to be different. The joy that he brought in answering this prayer was also, um, was, was also um, you know, a shift to say, you're going to be different parents. This child is not going to be just the regular uh, child. You know how special he is. He is your one and only son. And they probably would need to raise him differently. And they probably held John differently. But you could imagine older parents with that baby that first year of John and just being overwhelmed um, with, uh, with how much they loved him and cared for him and how, uh, how beautiful a gift he was. Um, Luke 1, um, in verse 13 and 14, scripture said it this way. Um, and the, to sum up, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayers have been heard, your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you are to call him John, for he will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice uh, because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, so they knew that John was going to bring life to people, they knew he was a gift. So the first thing, John, before anything else, John is an answer to a lifelong prayer. Um, many of us have those prayers of our, of our life, things that are deep within us that we have uh, brought to God. And it's easy to think that silence uh, somehow means that um, God is uh, not working. But we could see that that silence sometimes means that God is working and it's just not yet. The second thing is that not only was John a joy to his family, he was a joy to his extended family, specifically to Mary and Joseph. Um, he was a confirmation to Mary and Joseph when they found out that they also were going to have this child. Um, so you see those parallel stories and the angel just a little bit later in Luke 2 says this to Mary after she says, um, after she confirms, 
um, um, to uh, to the angel that you know she would have this uh, she would have Jesus. Uh, Luke two um, uh, chapter uh, Luke chapter two verses thirty six and thirty seven say this: Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God or would will ever fail. And so you see those parallel stories. And God was, now I want you to think of it this way. When God works, he's always complete. Um, he doesn't just answer something. He moves into it almost, almost in three dimensions, answering it from every level. And even though uh, this is the story of John, for Mary and Joseph, he tells Mary and the confirmation is that he says, oh, in Elizabeth, right, in your own family, yes, she is also going to have a child. And it's going to work this way of him going before Jesus, but it's also going to be a confirmation to your family. Right? And then also, I'm going to confirm that within Joseph. I'm going to tell him specifically. So when the father moves, he's always complete. Uh, it always uh, works. And then, uh, of course, we know when, when Jesus was born, he confirmed um, the specialness of, of, of who the son of God was through shepherds, through the magi, through a, a number of different signs uh, and things um, that would connect all those pieces together. And so, that, um, and so that when Mary was raising Jesus and when she was pregnant, um, she, would, um, she would be nurtured by her family that knew Elizabeth's story, that could believe the miraculous that knew that God was up to something. Where culture might reject, there was joy in, in knowing that she wouldn't be rejected, that she wouldn't be put out, and that God confirmed it so that she, um, uh, so that uh, Mary and Joseph uh, would have joy in knowing that what God was doing was really from him. So he just didn't do one thing, he did a number of things and so I always think of this as God not only brings joy to us out of, out, of the, uh, out of silence, but God also always is going before us. And, and it's, it's the reason why I bring up that warrior's because They were making, they were setting these plans in place that no one really could see. Um, and so that is how, how God works often in our life. He's working before we can even see, even in our discouragement. Sometimes God it's way before us, setting things in place in his perfect timing. And, um, and, and, and what, we often don't, uh, what we often don't realize is that many of these things that he's doing are decades in the making. It, 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 that many times God is doing something years before to set up something 10 years later. God is long. And, uh, and sometimes we don't see it until all those things come together. So not only does John bring joy to his own family in the answer of, of this prayer for, uh, you know, for, for mom and dad, not only is it an answer for Mary and Joseph, but he's, a, he's obviously the answer for Jesus. He's sent in to prepare a way. He's the one who rolls out the red carpet. He starts a ministry before Jesus does and goes before him. They have the same message. They have the same ministry uh, to repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. And I believe they actually used um, even a lot of the same stories and um, and, 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 and parables um, in um, to to describe God's kingdom and to bring people back uh, to who the Father is. And in fact, um, later on, 
in Jesus' life, we would see that, um, that John was a confirmation um, for Jesus. In other words, the people so loved John, and he brought so much uh, joy and renewal into that area that the religious leaders at the end of Jesus' life, um, they, you, they, they couldn't disconnect Jesus' story from John's story. Uh, Matthew 21 um, says this, and this is the end. This is when Jesus comes back um, into Jerusalem right before his crucifixion. Um, he curses the fig tree. He comes in on Palm Sunday. He over, you know, he he overthrows the 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 table in the in the temple and cleans it out. And then in Matthew twenty one, it says Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things? Right? He's doing a lot. He's got Jerusalem up in arms. They asked, and who gave you this authority? Jesus replied, I also have, uh, I also have asked you one question, and if you answer me, I will tell you from, um, I will tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. John, and he's, I'm doing these things. John the Baptist, where did it come from? Was it from, um, was it from heaven or from human origin? They discussed it among themselves, and they said, if we say from heaven, he will ask, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say from human origin, we are afraid of the people, for they hold—they uh, all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. Then he, Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. In other words, right, Jesus is like, you can't throw me under the bus without throwing John under the bus. That's how intertwined John and Jesus' message were. He prepared for Jesus' message. Now, I want you to think about the ramifications of how God, again, works. So when the, the, when the Father is working, right, he just, I mean, sometimes we think Jesus just showed up and he said, I'm an amazing person. Now he goes, no, I'm going to, right, I'm going to move before you. I'm going to give you favor with people. I'm going to send people before you. And not only does it with Jesus, but how much more does he do it with, with every aspect of our life? God is that big. That when we pray and we, you give things over to him, God will move in front of us. Um, and, so, um, and so the joy that, that John uh, gave Jesus was that his ministry, as Jesus starts his ministry, John says, okay, really, like, he must increase, I must decrease. So John brings joy everywhere. And in fact, even the story uh, at the beginning of scripture is when Mary, um, when Mary finds out that she's going to have Jesus and goes and finds Elizabeth, right? John jumps with joy when she gets near. Um, John's love and his friendship and his ministry with Jesus uh, was full of joy. And John was loved. So not only did John bring joy to his family and to Jesus, Jesus's extended uh, family with Jesus, uh, John brings joy to everybody. Um, the, John brings joy to the religious leaders at the beginning when, um, when Zechariah um, sees the vision. So many of the people in the temple knew the story, and people in the area and the villages had heard this story, right? And again, they connected it to, that's an Abrahamic story, right? And, and, they, um, and when you looked at John's ministry, when he starts his ministry, uh, people are going out into the wilderness to hear him. If 
his message is just purely about judgment. Like, and you know, or if it's bad news, you're not traveling for a day or two to go camp out in the wilderness to hear John. But what's happening is this, is that people are hearing this message and they're hearing and thinking about God in ways that they had never thought or heard about him before. And people are excited. And in fact, not only excited, but they're turning their lives around. They're committing to a different way of life. They're surrendering things. God is speaking to them. They're repenting. They're turning from the ways that they're like, wait a minute, I, I've got this all wrong. They're finding out that God is wonderful. He's bigger. And he's, um, uh, he's, he's, he's more, uh, more loving than they would, than they would have ever um, thought before. And so it's, it's, um, and so people are going out with, um, uh, with great enthusiasm to hear John and they're coming back and they're telling the stories. And then people are seeing other people with changed lives, right? People doing business differently. Uh, people coming into families differently. And they're saying, my cousin had this happen. I got to go hear John. You know, when something new comes on and it's a, and it's a game changer, right? Remember the first time you saw an, like a, a smartphone? Remember those little brick phones that we had? And then somebody was using their iPhone and they had GPS on it. And you were thinking to yourself, that knows where I'm at? And then we all went out and bought one and ruined our lives. It was amazing, right? But anytime there's something new that you need to hear and that spreads, there's anticipation, there's excitement, right? Um, and, and I won't ask how many of you ever stood in line, you know, 10 plus years ago, get the, the new version of, of whatever smartphone was coming out. But I, I did it once. Um, you know, people so love John and love being around him and listening to him is that even... Um, even the king who, who absolutely put him to death really, really liked him, right? In Mark 6, and maybe you've heard this story, Mark chapter 6, it says this, Herod the king feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. And when Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. So the king himself, as, as, as he spent time with John and had him locked up in prison, still liked listening to him. But he was puzzled because, right, John was explaining things about God in ways that people had not heard or had forgotten. Silence will do that to you. Silence will, will sometimes help us... Will, can help you forget it will you know is a is a catalyst to forgetting all the good things that God has done and many times you know when God goes before us he usually goes before us in joy and and not only did John prepare the way for Jesus in this in this joy but he also um he also was connecting all you see that God in his joy and the Holy Spirit connecting all the dots you know, out of, out of silence. I don't know if you've ever experienced that where in your life that things seem to be, you know, um, you know, the surface is still, nothing is happening. And then God starts to do things. Um, you know, in my family, um, this happened to my father. I became a Christian at 16 and for decades, I prayed for my father. And it wasn't until a few years ago that he had to have a, um, 
he had to have heart surgery. And uh, it was a long time. He didn't want to have it. And sure enough, he found a doctor. My brother and I got on a plane. We went down to be with him. And halfway through the surgery, uh, not probably a little more than halfway, the doctor came out and started to explain to us what was going on. And he said, and, and, um, and he was a specialist. He was a specialist specialist, right? And as he put the shunts in the lower part of my father's heart, he said, well, he started going into detail. He says, well, you know, I, I, I like to use these wires and these wires, but for this one, I'm using these Japanese wires because I really like, like them putting these in. He goes, and I've got, you know, I've got like 12 patents on wires, you know, for, he goes, but I like using these. And he's explaining to my brother after he left, looked at me and he says, why do you think he did that? And I said, I, I think he didn't know if he could actually do it either. Anyways, the surgery was successful. My father was afraid, but it was this time that my brother and I were able to connect the dots over a few years of all the things that had happened to get my father to the right person. And I remember I was talking in the, um, in the recovery room to the other attending physician. And I said, my father I said, my father's been really afraid to have the surgery. He's been on medication for years. He didn't want to have open heart surgery. And, um, and so this is amazing. And the attending physician said, yeah, he goes, well, he is one, the doctor that just did, he's one of the few doctors in the world that can do this, that doesn't have to open him up. Every other doctor has to do that. It's the only way you can get there, but he has this skill. And so being able to walk, my brother and I walk that through and say, see what God was doing to connect these dots. This is either the most amazing coincidence or there's a God going before you because he loves you. And since that time, we've watched my father's heart warm towards his faith, pray more, listen to scripture. It has been amazing um, to see um, what has happened when God starts to work in an area. But this was a prayer for me for 30, almost 40 years of praying for my dad. And then God starts to work. For you, as we look at John and God's beautiful plan of sending him before Jesus and everywhere he, he went, out of 400 years of silence, out of decades of silence and, and no, seemingly no activity for, um, for John's parents of not having, being able to have a child, that all of a sudden when God answers it, it's not just good, it's unbelievable. And you know, for coming out of 2020, is there ever a time that you would want this to happen? Or I would love 2020 to start off. God, could you send somebody like John? But for many of us, that silence of God does not mean inactivity. It really means that God sometimes is working and he's been working for a while. Um, and maybe there's hard things in your life today. Um, things that 2020 has, um, out of this thing has brought up, or maybe there are things like with my father that have been decades of, of people you've been praying for. Maybe it's a relationship, um, within your family, within your marriage. Um, maybe it's something hard, um, something very personal. Maybe you're struggling with, with depression, uh, with anxiety, uh, with loneliness, with an eating disorder, or it's your career, your profession, Maybe you're a student and you're looking at school, what schools you were looking at getting at, and this year has just been completely upended. Do not mistake God's silence. It's purposeful. 
do not mistake that you feel like, God, I've prayed about this and I've asked it, that God is often being strategic in that, in these times, that God is not giving up on you. And that maybe, and, and I say this out of that experience of almost giving up praying for my father, that this might be a time that in those areas, that this week, that you might bring those back to the father to say, God, what would you have for me? And so um, as we, as we uh, end our, our time, um, would you ask the father, God, what is it that you would like me to bring back to you? What is it that um, even though you've seemingly been silent, you're not inactive on it, that God wants to bring like John hope and joy. And even now he might be going and preparing something even now as we speak um, for you. And so let's pray. And as we pray, would you do something? Would you uh, place your hands out in front of you like you're going to receive a gift and pray with me? Uh, Father, here's my life. And Father, I, I give you my life, my family. And Father, um, there are areas in, in our lives that um, we don't quite understand. There's areas of hard things in my life that I want to give to you. And I ask you, Lord, that you, like John, would send your joy. Send your joy out of silence. Send your joy out of what seems to be inactivity. And God, we believe you to be full of personality and life. So I ask that you would connect the dots, that you would build faith where there seemingly is none. And Father, would you wake up dreams um, in, the, in every area of our life that you have for us and that you would uh, pour out your contentment in areas that are difficult. And most importantly, Father, um, would you be glorified within our lives? Thank you for your goodness. And thanks for John, that as a prophet, he wasn't uh, full of judgment, but he was full of joy and excitement. Would you install this within our lives and within the life of CLC this week? And we pray this, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen.